Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. Our guest today will be Linda Harvey of Mission America. There are some really important things we need to discuss when it comes to what is happening in the government-run schools and the agenda to reach and influence and indoctrinate children. Don't tune out yet. Don't tune out yet because there's a handful of listeners who say, ah, that may be happening in New York or L.A. or, yeah, maybe in Columbus, Ohio, but it's not in my little son or daughter's school. But anyway, so we're going to be talking about pronouns, passports, and progressive ideology run amok. But first, I've got to read an email we received. Thank you, guys. Been getting a lot of notes from listeners recently. This one's from Shelley in Iowa. Dear David, just a note to thank you for your ministry and the wisdom you shared by your interviews with godly men and women. I enjoy listening to many of your podcasts as I travel along in my car. Truly appreciate your heartfelt prayers, which open each interview. I became familiar with your ministry when I first began attending prophecy conferences in Appleton, Wisconsin some years ago. Thank you so much. I'm sending a donation via snail mail. And uh, so thank you for that. She says blessings and best wishes. So Shelly from Iowa, shout out. To our Cornhusker friends, um, also got an email uh, last week or the week before from Mexico City, a missionary there who was down there. So people are listening from everywhere. Guatemala also. I got an order. Was it for books? Anyway, so what? the reason I read that is I don't open every single podcast with prayer. And usually it's on purpose. I rarely ever just say, oh, I forgot to pray. No, because sometimes I, I pray a lot of similar things, and I don't want to be redundant. I know God just likes to hear us, right, and hear our concerns and hear us ask for help and for wisdom. But I just want to just emphasize that to a lot of listeners who might be leaning a little on the legalistic side when it comes to, hey, yesterday you didn't open in prayer. I actually have received a few emails like, like that, but, you know, so I'm just sharing where I'm at. Um, I know God hears and I know he's honored by it, but uh, there are some days where, not that we don't need to pray. Do you know what I mean? I think I know you guys. You, you want to pray from the heart and uh, led by the Holy Spirit, not just some it's the same words you typically use in a prayer. So, But let's open right now, since she brought it up, Shelly from Iowa. God bless you. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you that we can come to you. You invite us to come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. And in this day and age, Lord, in this time in America, we sure need it. In this time in the world, in 2022, with all that's going on around the country, the attacks against the church and, of course, against the truth, and what's happening in our schools, in our culture, in our government. Lord, we need your help, and we need to cultivate a biblical eternal perspective. So please help us to do that as we talk about some things today that are unpleasant to talk about, Lord. And that's what's happening to children, the most innocent among us in the public schools. So God, give us a heart for your truth, for a passion for your word, and help us to be able to communicate clearly and effectively, but with love, always speaking the truth in love, especially to outsiders and those who don't know you. Lord, help us 
give us wisdom. We ask that almost every time, Lord. We need that more now more than ever. We love you, and we thank you for your faithfulness and giving us another day. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's guest, Linda Harvey, is back. She founded Mission America in 1995. She's a former advertising executive. She's been on with us, I don't know how many times, but she manages this uh, Christian pro-family organization that tracks current cultural issues and trends. She's also the author of a very important book called Maybe He's Not Gay, Another View on Homosexuality. Why is that important? Because most schools today and the culture in Hollywood and the government would want to convince children that if there's any question at all, that they're probably gay. No, that's not the case. Linda Harvey, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Thanks, David. Great to be on with you this morning. All right. Well, thanks for writing the articles you do and having the voice that you have. I know it's it sometimes gets tedious and the battle is difficult, but we've got to keep fighting the good fight. So I thank you for all the years you've been doing this. Um, I want to get to a couple of the articles that uh, you've written recently, and that's let's... <laughs> I, I want to get to the pronoun passport one, but there's one that you wrote before that on social emotional learning. And I'd like for you, first of all, to explain to our newer listeners or maybe most of our audience that's been out of the public schools for so long, they don't understand what these things are and how they are applicable to education. So could you take us back to the basics in the beginning of that? Well, sure. Uh one of the things that I think we have to watch for, and it's not just in the public schools, so everybody, if you have children or grandchildren, pay attention to this, are the fads in education because they, you know, like Common Core, like outcome-based education, which we've had to fight over the last 20, 25 years. Well, now the latest one is social-emotional learning, and the reason you're going to hear that, no matter where your kids are, is that all of the education uh, training programs for teachers are all training uh, teachers in this, and it's mm. supposedly wonderful, and it supposedly makes children ready to learn. And it's it's been about twenty years, and there's a there's a lot of history behind it. But there are five basic competencies that they focus in on, and then schools will develop this almost as a worldview. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to go throughout their curriculum, but their five basic competencies are self awareness, self management, social awareness relationship skills, and responsible decision-making. And it's not supposed to be necessarily a separate curriculum, but they will weave this into all kinds of things. And then there are lots of surveys. Well, as you might uh, well, and many of your listeners will know, people uh, who are conservative and watching what's going on in the schools are very suspicious Mm. about where this is going. It's become almost like an, an alternate religion, values, uh, manipulation, <clears throat> you know, teaching kids to discount what their what their basic uh, religion from home is, uh, and undermining parental rights and amateur psychology. All of these ha- have been great concerns with social emotional learning um, surveys, uh, <clears throat> lessons, and uh, literature books, and all the rest. Well, Linda, a lot of people are thinking, well, what you described, those four or five things, those bullet points you just described, we've been out of school for a long time, some of us. That doesn't sound like education on helping the kids actually learn what's going to help them practically when they get out of school. But we understand that's not the goal anymore, is it? Well, no. um, There are, you know, to be totally fair there are many educators who do not see the danger, and they are dealing with, again, kids from many 
difficult backgrounds, kids with uh, anger management issues, they've got behavior problems all, all over the place, and they're trying to figure out, especially in, in some of the more uh, urban areas where you have some very low income and, and difficult situations that kids come from, uh, they're grasping at straws. However, this isn't We've been doing that forever in education. I used to be a teacher for a short period of time. And, um, you know, you intervene in individual situations. You don't psychoanalyze the whole class. And then you don't undercut parental values to sneak in teaching about critical race theory Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, social justice and all the LGBTQ stuff. And that's the door that's opened with social emotional learning. So a lot of people are using this for these progressive agenda items. They want to get in front of kids anyway. Mm. This is tough. This is a tough issue. And for a lot of parents that are listening right now, um, Linda, we've said this so many times, and I'll let you uh, share your heart on this problem, massive problem in the government-run schools. I just recently heard someone say, however, I think it was J.B. Hickson, on our podcast uh, yesterday, a Q&A that we did in Colorado when I was there. He said, uh, don't be convinced that Christian schools or private schools are all the better option because some of them have taken the federal money, so they have to have the, the marching orders from the NEA or whatever. So can you explain how this applies to parents who have children in public schools today, and and if they're in a small town, perhaps, they aren't sure that this is even happening, what we're talking about. Well, I think everybody needs to be on alert because there have been numerous small Midwestern, Southern towns that have been been completely uh, uh, thrown into turmoil. All it takes is one or two activist teachers and they begin to uh, implement this in their in their schools, the LGBTQ agenda, uh, or you have a teacher that comes out as the opposite sex, and uh, it, and it throws the school district in a in a frenzy. It can happen anywhere, and it is happening all the time in smaller communities. So you have to be on alert about this. Um, and again, that's this is where the teacher training programs are training mm-hmm. teachers. The other thing is that we we also know the teacher training programs are training teachers that go into the Christian schools. So you have to watch all of these agendas surfacing even in those schools. So I'm a little bit with your person that that wrote to you because um, it is it is not they're not immune to that. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's a we've got a cultural issue going on here that that there are people that want to transform this culture and they're using schools and children as change agents to do that. Um, Linda, it's been a while since we talked and I know we didn't uh, talk since Joe Biden's State of the Union address. And I just want to get your response. You're one of the people I thought of when he said what he said. I didn't watch the thing. I couldn't stomach it. But I did see some of the clips and some of the headlines, some reviews of things he said. So he said to the transgender community, I've got your back and I'm here for you. I'm going to continue to push this. Uh, Those are my words. But he also said he vowed that you, you've got to continue to reach your God-given potential. And so you're thinking, okay, transgender, you're, you're eliminating God as creator and the creator of biblical male and female. And then you're saying, um, I'm gonna, you need to just keep reaching your God-given potential. No one can see the contradiction with that. I would love to hear your thoughts. 
<laughs> you well, you said it perfectly. Um, that you know, it it is such a contradiction, and I'm wondering which God he's talking about mm-hmm. because you're right, the God that created people male and female perfectly, and uh, that that where people need to accept the reality of God, how God has created them, and live up to that God-given potential. That's Almighty God. What other what other God is interfering in these children's lives needs to be confronted and eliminated because uh, it's deception. It's the mm-hmm. God of deception and delusion that is um, throwing so many kids off track and putting them on these wicked, wicked paths toward self-destruction. I just, I don't know if you saw, David, the Heritage Foundation had a seminar with several moms of kids that had gone down this gender confusion road mm. and how schools have con- colluded behind the scenes with um, students without their parents' knowledge yes. to usher them down this road. One of the moms told a terrible, in California, told a terrible story where her daughter was taken down this road by a school, by counselors behind their back. Before they knew it, they had removed her, their their daughter from their custody, and she ended up standing in the middle of a railroad track and committing suicide. Mm. This school is liable for that child's suicide, I believe. And so wow. we have to protect our kids. They say that it's they're in danger of suicide if they don't go down this road. No, Joe Biden does not have their back because he doesn't know that down the road, uh, way past any school involvement, these are young people who will will be in more danger of mm. harming themselves. Is that uh, one of the uh, moms or one of the uh, youth that uh, committed suicide? Is that in you posted an article on your Facebook page about anguished moms detailing how gender ideology in schools threaten parents' rights, and that led to a, to suicide. Yes. Is, is that where you got the good? Yes, I'm going to post that. Great. Yes. I'm going to post that in the podcast notes today at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Is there anything else uh, from that article you can uh, let us know about? Well, well, yeah, and we can go off on this because sure. it, uh, the um, other other mothers in this in this uh, there are three moms in that article talked about how there's there's lawsuits going on all in several areas of the country. I believe there's one in Wisconsin, frankly, that's a couple years old, and then there's two in Florida, and there's one in California mentioned in this article, where the parents are suing because their, their child was counseled behind their back mm. to continue a transgender identity while at school wow. for a, quite a period of time, and before they got hold of it. Their their children are all messed up emotionally. Mm. No psych evaluations. You know, just uh, completely railroaded down this path. So lawsuits <clears throat> are coming, and people mm-hmm. need to know that. And this again, this is back to the social emotional learning. One of the things that is the doorway into that, and it's becoming standard practice in many schools, is for schools to say. Uh, kids need to embrace who they are. They need to respect all of this, including pronouns. And they, uh, the parents are basically the enemy. And so that if a student tells you privately that they are transgender or uh, homosexual, you can keep, you're perfectly free to keep that information from parents and continue to treat that child with their new identity while at school and never reveal that to parents. There are lawsuits about this. Yes, there are. And there will be more coming because uh, parents are learning after the fact, which is tragic, that their kids were led to go down this. They were encouraged to follow this uh, delusion. And um, many of them are really, really hurting, whether they're messed up physically, whether they've had 
some sort of cosmetic surgery, whether they've started taking the hormones. There's all kinds of different levels of this. But Linda, isn't that one of the purposes of the left and, and the progressives and the socialists who want to take the children away from parents and have the schools make decisions for them and bring them up that way? That's an agenda from that's gone back to the beginning, right? Right. Well, that's that's part of Marxism is that mm-hmm. they they want to destroy the family because they want the individual's loyalty uh, to be to the state and to a government, some government program or the state itself, even to the point of an income and, and regulating every part of your life. That way, they're easier to manage, theoretically, large mobs of people. And uh, then a few people, you know, what always happens with communism and Marxism is that a few people get in to power uh, and then it becomes tyranny uh, mm. to to manage all these sheep. Well, that's what we're trying to they're trying to turn people into is is sheep. And I don't think every person that that is advocating these progressive items, agenda items to our children uh, thinks in those large scale terms. But that's where it's heading. That is the the trajectory. And we all have to be aware of that. Mm. We're with Linda Harvey of Mission America. We've got four more minutes left in this segment, and I did want to get your reaction to one of the many articles I just looked at recently, because I know you have a a voice in this area, and you've really been helping inform a lot of parents, particularly in the Christian community, about really what's happening. Um, Over at The Blaze, a very brief article, um, Tom Bevan of Real Clear Politics posted on Twitter a page that was given to his fifth grader. It was a vocabulary, uh, words for science class. Friends, now listen, science class. All right, remember, trust the science, follow the science, they want to say. But this, the words in this science class include transgender and non-binary. So I just want to set it up and let you uh, share your thoughts, Linda, and help uh, us understand how this is happening in fifth grade. They're given these words for science class, transgender, cisgender, adolescence, consent, and non-binary. He shared this just, I think, a couple days ago, and he even posted a photo to prove it, even though people said, that's not going on. And then he finally, you know, posted. So, Linda, it is happening, but what does this have to do with Science. Now, they think it's science, right? Some of them, but it's not. Well, it's uh, it's invented science. This <laughs> is the lexicon of homosexual and transgender uh, mythology. They they want everybody to buy into the, the strange uh, invented pronouns that do not make sense. You know, clear language reflects clear thinking. Well, we have muddled thinking. We have delusional thinking. We have very sinful thinking going on in, in our culture. And people that want to pursue these very um, wicked and depraved roads, so they invent new language to go along with it. And they want kids to be roped into that. All Again, all it takes is one uh, you know, progressive science teacher, quote-unquote, somewhere to put this in front of kids. And there you go. You've got you cannot undo this once your kids see this. You can do everything you can if they've been well grounded. I'm sure they're they are resilient and can overcome it to some extent. Hmm. But pay pay attention. You know yes. that's what's going on. I want to emphasize that we just have a minute left. That the fact that y- the younger your children are, uh, the more impressionable they are, and the longer. They, meaning those who do not have your or your child or the Christian faith in mind, your child's best interests in mind, the longer that they 
can drop these, plant these seeds, these ideas, the, this deception really into their minds. They, young children, Linda, they don't know how to process this, but that is a, it's a, and it's a demonic plan, but it's a plan of the enemy that he's been using for generations in America. We're going to talk more about that when we get back with Linda Harvey of Mission America. Um, there are, like she said, some lawsuits, including a Kansas teacher who is suing a school district over the preferred pronouns policy. What the heck is this pronoun nonsense? Linda's got an article on that. We're going to get into pronoun passports. What's that? Stay tuned. We'll get to that in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Linda Harvey is our guest. Before we move on to this uh, lawsuit that uh, the Kansas teacher has with the school district and get to her article on pronoun tyranny, <laughs> um, there's a great point that you made um, in your earlier article, Linda. It's really important for us to understand this, that many of these surveys function like push polls for children they serve to normalize attitudes and behaviors to form opinions in very young children and encourage discontent that did not exist. Could you elaborate on that just a little bit before we move on? Well, yes. Uh, under social-emotional learning, there are a whole range of vendors, of course, uh, and, and many of them are pushing uh, the survey instrument. And sometimes they'll have and the data collection on all this is in your child's file, so that's another whole huge problem. Mm. But they have these surveys where they, and some of them will be checking kids constantly about their attitudes. Well, how did you do? When, do you think you can finish this homework? Will you be able to do this? Or uh, then, they, of course, they ask things about all the LGBT stuff. Uh, then they uh, they ask things about: uh, Is there anything on your mind today that you would talk like to talk to someone privately at school about? I mean, think about that, parents. Mm. Um, well, what if you and your daughter, here's the scenario, you and your, your 12-year-old daughter have an argument before school, and you tell her, if you don't clean up your room, you're grounded. And she is furious. She goes to school and then is asked that question. How is that going to come out in, first of all, her attitudes of being, yes, my parents are so horrible to me. Wow. I never thought about it so much, but this is so unfair. They're unjust. And then she puts that in a, in a survey, wow. and that goes in a file somewhere. Hmm. That this child has problems at home. You know, the parents are terribly unfair to her. Not only does it create discontent in the child's mind and, and, and more discontent, but it also creates a false impression with the school. Wow. So much that parents need to be aware of. And I'm going to have a couple uh, people locally that are running for school board, people that are Christians or conservatives and or conservatives um, here in Wisconsin. You've done some work in Ohio. You're trying to rally the troops, so to speak. But, Linda, you said something before we got on the air that I'd like for you to, to touch on a little bit. It, this is a very, very difficult situation, education in America and school boards and the political aspect of it. It's just disheartening because the left has gained control and it's it's almost it is it is an understatement to say it is an uphill battle, but at what point are we not to be involved because we know the system will never be reformed, but we still need that influence and we still need to get some of these people out of here, out of these school board positions. Your thoughts on that? 
Well, I am really uh, torn because uh, my kids were in the public schools because I I had my children back when I, you know, and then, then was divorced from their father, not from my own uh, choice, and uh, then was stuck with a uh, schooling plan that had to involve the public schools. And then I became a believer, in it, and then I got remarried. That's 30 years ago, and it's like, oh, my goodness, my eyes are open, but I couldn't do anything about it. Mm. Well, God used all that, put me in that position mm. to see some things which are way worse now. There are many people that are in those situations where one spouse doesn't want the children um, in the public schools, one spouse does, or it's a single parent, or there are other reasons. If you have your children in the public schools, you stay in there and fight, but be committed to doing that. If you're a believer, you cannot be complacent. You have to look at everything they, they bring home. And But if you can get your kids out of school, I think you should, because mm. you cannot take back this this uh, training ground. But we have to still, I don't advocate for everybody you know, no matter what your circumstances to, you know, have a horrible knee-jerk reaction and get your kids out now because um, we have to be in there and fight. These are these schools are producing Antifa members. They're producing the Black Lives Matter radical activists, the mm-hmm. people that are tearing our country apart and hate our country. That's what the radical progressive agenda does. It makes you hate your parents, hate your country, and, of course, you all, you also hate yourself you don't mm. admit that but we have to be in there and we have to transform this and keep a lid on this for our civilization quite frankly wow oh lord um just encourage the parents that are listening right now not to lose heart and to fight this battle because it's so important for our children um so this kansas teacher sued the district over their preferred pronouns policy. So this is not New York City. This is not Los Angeles or San Francisco or Portland. Um, This is Kansas. And you're in Ohio. Of course, I believe you're in Columbus, but there's small towns that are dealing with this. This is a Kansas middle school teacher. And uh, I looked up this article. It's at ABC News and other outlets actually reported that, probably online, but not on their Newscast. So Kansas middle school teacher is suing the district where she works after she was disciplined for refusing to use a student's preferred pronoun, the first name, the gender pronoun. And this is where we're at now. You mentioned lawsuits earlier. Um, Linda, I know this is happening in Ohio and other places as well. It absolutely is. In Ohio, we have been uh, I'm part of the a network called Protect Ohio Children. Uh, we have a whole range of reports that we get from anonymous whistleblowers in parents and teachers and wow. staff in different schools. And we have so many reports on pronoun issues. We've had entire classes of kids being, uh, you know, fourth grade class, everybody has to name their pronoun. In middle school, everybody had to stand up and de- declare their pronouns in another school. Uh, we've had have one school district where the teachers, if they mis uh, misgender a person, in other words, and they don't use the correct pronoun, the teachers have to can be called to the principal's office, teacher, and forced to apologize in front of the principal to the student and sometimes to the parents. Mm. And that this is Ohio. Yes, um, and it's just e- exploding everywhere. And we have lots of, you know, watch watch your schools, how your administrators sign their names. 
if at the end they put their pronouns, you know you've got a, a lefty on your hands. So That's you right. need to watch out what's going on at that school. Can you explain that? There are some people who really have no idea what we're talking about. We say, what, what do you mean there's a pronoun after their name? Can you explain that? Because I've seen those signatures from you know teachers sending these things out. Explain that so people can hear that over the radio. Well, it's, uh, it's all the, again, the invent, invented language of the uh, LGBTQ people who believe that if a person is uh, wants to dress and uh, act as the opposite sex or uh, they are non-binary, in other words, they want to be able to be fluid. These are the people that insist people are born that way, by mm-hmm. the way, one mm-hmm. of the many contradictions. <laughs> but they want to be fluid. They, you know, today they'll be, they'll be kind of feminine. Tomorrow they'll be kind of masculine. Uh, that's that's uh, queer. That's non-binary. Many names for that. Well, they have pronouns to go with all this nonsense, too. So that they want to say, you know, they want you to jump through hoops to show that you respect this silly and delusional choice and very destructive choice they've made. So the choice, the the hoops they want you to jump through are they're going to tell you, I believe, you know, I'm a woman, but my pronouns are going to be he and him. So I want you to refer or maybe they a, a plural pronoun for a singular person or something invented like Z and Zier. Z-E and Z-I-R, I mean, and it gets, it's just nonsense, mm-hmm. it's total nonsense. Even if you are a heterosexual person, you're continuing to be a heterosexual person, but if you're a progressive, you may have jumped on board with this, and you may be a woman, but you want to, you will sign your name, uh, you know, it'll be Mary Crabtree, uh, she, her. In other words, you're saying, I'm on board with all this, yep. I think this is very cool, I respect those people. Do not let your children do that, and don't you do it. And good for that teacher in in Kansas. I've been waiting to hear about somebody following a lawsuit. There was one a couple of years ago in Virginia, and I think the teacher won, um, not not having to say a, a pronoun um, for a particular student. But anyway, yeah. this is great news. Yeah. Okay, let's get, get to your article now. I love it when you, at some point, you used the words, and this is what's going on, pronoun tyranny. Um, We know what, we understand now what medical tyranny is. Uh, We understand what typical, just the word tyranny is, but this is what's happening, and uh, you start off by saying insanity over pronouns has hit the Midwest, and I think, Linda, to be honest, I think it it hit the Midwest before a lot of us found out about it, Um, and hopefully it's not too late, but go ahead and share. You mentioned uh, Dublin, Ohio City Schools. You mentioned the small towns, and just share some of the examples and then uh, just walk us through your articles, uh, some of the bullet points, please. Right. Well, what I, I wrote this article, it's called Pronoun Passports Are Coming. And the reason is because of all these different uh, examples that we've heard around from around Ohio and around the country, quite frankly. But I was just uh, focusing on Ohio here. Uh, but that, that, that you would have little children being told to stand up and declare their pronouns. First of all, this all has to be explained to them. You know that what what does that mean? That yeah. means that you may have a classmate um, who uh, doesn't want to be. It's you may have thought she was a girl, but no, she wants to be he and him. So you you need to refer to and so then all of you have to stand up and do that. Think about the uh, manipulation and exploitation of that kind of a of, of an attitude, mm. and then teachers and then the, as i mentioned the issue of teachers and this one 
teacher that you've mentioned who's uh, filed a lawsuit is a is a very brave person, and I'm so glad that's happening because teachers are being forced to a- acknowledge this and imagine keeping up with a classroom of, of kids, and you've got you know 35 kids, and two of them are non-binary, and so you have to remember in that class there's two, then you have to call them the boy they and and them, or and their strange name. You know, it's it. This is not education, as you said before. This is um, tyranny, but it's also not academics. Why can't we just go back to academics and realize that if we don't have kids that are willing, and this is going to be hard, mm. as I said in this article, you have to spell it out for your your children. Yes, you have to spell out the pronoun issue and what's at stake, and. Your more brave children have got to be willing to stand up and say something along the lines of, uh, my pronouns are what was uh, put in, what was uh, named when I was registered at this school, and so I will stand with that, mm. or something along that line, mm-hmm. to, to make it clear that you're not going to go along with this. But if you do oh. go along with it, what you're doing, mm. you're not being polite, you're assenting to the idea that children are, it's okay for children to go down the road of gender change. Mm-hmm. And that is a dangerous medical experiment that no Christian should ever um, go along with. No, so. no. Um, it's, it's interesting. One of the things that we're dealing with here, too, is young children who don't know how to respond. Like, so just say you're, if you're listening right now, you have a, a child in grade school. And they go to grades. You've done everything you can to educate them at home and, and to prepare them for this. But yet they go to school and we forget, Linda, how important peer pressure is. And there are a couple kids in her, his or her class that say they are whatever the opposite gender and are using different names. And they're going to explain that to your child. And then their classmates are going to approve of that and go, yeah, yeah, and they're going to support this kid. So how do you think your child is going to feel? We forget that aspect of peer pressure sometimes, don't we? We do. And, and of course, all of this, again, social-emotional learning will condition your child to believe that if you don't go along with what other people uh, are doing in these crazy, delusional self-destructive lifestyles and behaviors and identities that if you don't go along with it you don't uh, you don't score well on the um, relationship skills or the social awareness dimensions those are the, one of the two of the five competencies of social emotional learning so you may be you may have a, a child that is scored low on that and that goes into a file somewhere and then they are pressured by the teacher and other students well why don't you well you're that you you're more like a bully you're a hateful bigot you know all this has been going on for a while so you have the anti-bullying aspect still there and to load to load the whole thing down uh, at the bottom line people will accuse you as a teacher or an adult or the child of making that child want to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. They always play the suicide card if all else fails. You are making that child, not by by not respecting those pronouns, you're making this so difficult for the child that they may want to kill themselves. That's Mm -hmm. nonsense. I mean, that it, it is the emotional issues going on with that child that may ever lead to that. It is not your disapproval. Although we can be mean, people should never be mean. However, that's not the cause of what's happening with these kids. Hmm. 
Okay, we've got three more minutes left, uh, Linda, and I see in that article Merriam-Webster's Dictionary even caved. Um, you say in 2019, I didn't remember this. I'm sure I saw this at the time, but, but they adopted the word they as a singular pronoun and declared it the word of the year. What were they saying by promoting they as the word of the year? Well, and this is, of course, a couple of years ago yeah. before COVID and all the other stuff happened, and we have learned what tyranny really means. They were, they, <laughs> the Merriam-Webster people, were declaring their approval for changing pronouns and changing the language to fit. Uh, and it's not even evolutionary language as that still makes some logical sense. They have come alongside language that does not make sense. Um, again, a plural pronoun, they, referring to one person, singular. It should be he or she, not mm-hmm. they. You know, so again, we're, we're into fuzzy thinking and fuzzy language that reflects it. And the fuzzy thinking is not just, um, is not something that is, it should be approved of. It reflects the affirmation of damaging and harmful sin and things that are ungodly that God never wanted us to be a part of. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? You say fuzzy thinking. That's exactly one of the things that Satan is the author of confusion and the father of lies. And this kind of fuzzy thinking, this is on purpose to create this confusion or ambiguity when it's just the opposite of God, who is truth. There is a fixed standard of morality and and the Bible is true. Hey, one more thing, uh, Linda, you provide one, two, three, four points at the end of the article, which I think are very important. I know you alluded to these earlier, but the one that Christians who are listening need to take to heart is what you're saying if you were to just uh, go along with this or uh, not resist it or fight it is that religious objections don't need to be respected and maybe even could be ignored because that's what they're doing if we don't speak up, correct? Exactly. They, they, the LGBTQ community made a decision about 10 years ago to just say, declare that any religious objection to any of those behaviors was discrimination and hatred. They mm. don't care about your First Amendment rights. Yep. Do not think that you still have those. If they can get away with it, and they have in too many uh, local policies, um, company policies, and uh, even in certain courts in, that where students have come before them, they are getting away with saying, you're, uh, when it comes down to you affirming uh, same-sex marriage or standing on your religious rights, the same-sex hmm. issue and the LGBTQ tyranny and the transgender issue, that is more important because they've decided that this is just what people are, even in, of course, when they have people that they're defending bisexuals and gender fluid (laughs) people. I mean, the whole thing makes no sense. And if you call them on it, they will not admit that. It's power. They want, they have power, they're using it, and the the power that they're inflicting makes no sense. Mm. Linda Harvey, Mission America, thank you for your voice. Thank you for continuing to fight these battles and for giving parents actually some ammo and some information they can use. Go to her website. It's missionamerica.com. Linda, God willing, we'll talk to you in the near future. Keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, David, for all you do. You keep fighting as well. Will do, Lord willing. When we come back, a new study. Christian parents in America, young parents have a non-existent biblical worldview. 
Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Remember how we were talking about hate crimes legislation last week and what's happening up in Canada with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, which a lot of people that I'm in touch with up there absolutely... Uh, uh, I'll put it mildly. They don't respect him. <laughs> That's, wasn't that a nice way of saying what I could have said in many other different ways? But the article last week is very important. It's, it's sharing what's going on up there. They've got these new laws. And one of the laws that's being proposed is this. Um, it's a hate crimes legislation that would penalize intent to use hate speech. Did you hear? Did you hear what I said? Intent, meaning you could get in trouble if you were turned in by someone uh, for intending to post something hateful. So basically, it's almost a thought crime. They know your worldview. Oh, they know you're a Christian or conservative, and, and you're about to post something on social media. This is absolutely astounding. So uh, go and check out that article. I believe they've got that at Harbinger's Daily. But my new article this week, you know what? I can't get to that yet. I've got to share one more. Here's one that's really what we've been talking about in this podcast with Linda Harvey. Child grooming camp for minors, sex ed summer camp in Indianapolis aimed at 8 to 10-year-olds. Okay? Briefly, LGBTQ activists in Indianapolis are hosting a sexual education summer camp for elementary schoolers. It's a four-day program. It's open to 3rd through 5th graders and costs $250 per child. Now, they're advertising it, and it says that the children who participate, they'll participate in, quote, affirming non-binary, body-positive, social-emotional learning through play with inclusive sexuality educator. But here's what happened. There was a little pushback from parents and others who found out about this perverted camp, and the event bright page has been taken down. They had the event up there promoting, oh, this is wonderful. Let's indoctrinate the children, right? Child grooming camp for minors. You can look that up. I will post that in today's podcast notes. And you want to check that out. It's over at harbingersdaily.com. Now, a new study. Uh, actually, um, I don't want to say I broke this story yesterday, but I received a press release in my email yesterday from Barna Research, the Cultural Research Center in Arizona Christian University. They just released brand new um, a study and a survey. What's the gist of it? Young parents in America, and what they're classifying in this survey, what they're classifying as young parents, are parents that have teenagers or preteens. Uh, children that are younger than 13, younger than like 12, 12 years old and under. So young parents, that their biblical worldview is now abysmal 2%. 2% young parents in America. And here's the twist of this. Um, the two major problems should be of great concern to us Christians and the church in America. Here's one. The biblical worldview continues to rapidly decline. We've seen the surveys, whether it's Barna, Pew Research, Gallup, Lifeway Research. It's all pretty consistent revealing what's going on in our culture. We, we need to continue to ask why. We know pretty much most of us, most, 
know how this has happened, how we got here. But yet we still need to tell people who are just now waking up and catching on. Uh, Some have had their heads in the sand for quite a long time. That includes people in the church. Some have been in denial because they don't even want to address what's going on. It's just too, it's too, it's some of this stuff, guys, because we're talking about children, it's heart wrenching to know that this is happening. So yes, I know, but we not, we have to keep our hope alive. Our hope cannot be taken from us because as the Bible says, our hope in Christ is secure. Did you know that the Holy Spirit, when you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in your heart? The Bible refers to that as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance with Jesus. We are co-heirs with Christ. Our hope is in him, the blessed hope yet to return. And we have been redeemed, but yet we will be redeemed, right? So we need to keep that in perspective. But what's happening now, particularly with our children, should be heart-wrenching. It is. So that's one of the things that's happening. This, the biblical worldview continues to decline in our culture. We have to just admit that. Number two, a majority of people, and this is proven time and time again, a majority of Americans who claim to be Christian are not even close. Let that sink in. So in this new study, God, truth, the Bible— and the Christian faith have taken another hit. I've linked to this in my article. Uh, It's a new study from George Barna and the Cultural Research Center. Now, the good news, check this out, good news. Parents still play a very significant role in helping shape their children's worldview. The bad news, only 2% of young parents today, millennials and younger parents actually have a biblical worldview. My question that I ask in my article this week, what then are they passing along to their kids? It is a dilemma, isn't it? But this brand new worldview study suggests it's now highly improbable that future children in America will have a chance to grow up with any understanding of the Bible or of the Christian faith. They'll, well, uh, let me just put it this way. They'll believe the lies they hear in public school and from government and from Hollywood and from our culture today and from the LGBTQ and the left. They'll believe some of the lies because they'll hear those trumpeted over and over again, right? But because their, chi- their parents, only the 2%, so that means 98% of young parents today do not have a biblical worldview. Now, this may all sound like an an exaggeration, so let's break this down a little bit. The number is actually 94% of young Americans who can't decide, young parents, they can't apparently decide on faith, morality, spirituality, how it applies to their lives. And here is one big reason. Ready? And you've seen this. We've seen this. They hold what's known as syncretism. It's a blending of multiple worldviews, which really uh, no single life philosophy is dominant. It produces a worldview that's diverse and often self-contradictory, but they don't realize. Let me continue here. This is similar to another hugely popular worldview, religious pluralism. What is that? It can be defined as uh, the belief in two or more, and some people have many, religious worldviews, and they believe they're equally valid or acceptable. You've heard this a lot. 
Think of the coexist bumper sticker. Whenever I see that bumper sticker, I pray for the person to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth because I know they are not a Bible-believing Christian that has a coexist bumper sticker on their car because that bumper sticker was created to attack Christianity, which is an exclusive gospel. Jesus, now we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Religious pluralism. This goes beyond the idea of simple tolerance, right, or non-judgment. Religious pluralism accepts multiple paths to God, like all paths lead to God or to heaven. Now, I will say this. That's not biblical on its face, but I will say everyone will stand before God to be judged, so all paths indirectly lead to God. But what they're saying is, no matter what you do in this life, you'll go to heaven. That's really, it's universalism in a way. All paths lead to God, or God's as a possibility. And it's usually contrasted with what I mentioned earlier, exclusivism. That's the idea that there is only one true religion or one way to God. So we believe that. Why? Either, either that's true or Jesus is a liar. Why? He said, I am the way and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Another verse, I believe it's in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It may be 2 Timothy. I think it's 1 Timothy. It says, um, Jesus is, there, there is only one mediator between God and man. And it's not a priest. It's not your pastor. It's not your doctor. It's not your best friend. There is one mediator, and that is Jesus Christ alone. Now, oh, there's so much here. i got to quote Malcolm Muggridge. He said, One of the peculiar sins of the 20th century, which we've developed to a very high level, is the sin of credulity. It has been said that when human beings stop believing in God, they believe in nothing. The truth is much worse. They believe in anything. They believe in anything. What does that mean? They're making a god or gods in their own image, to their own liking. So what's fascinating in this article, in this survey, I should say, that Barna did, they conclude that most preteen parents or parents of preteens are either unaware of or unfazed by the inconsistencies in their worldview, which makes them ignorant of their own contradictions. Some people can't even see it themselves. Steve Smotherman, one of the pastors that we have on this podcast, he calls those people so-called Christians. You've got to just, oh, come on, guys. What is, what, how does the Bible define what, what are the essentials of the faith? To be born again, to be a Christ follower, to be a true believer in Christ as the only way. And then to be an ambassador for Christ, a disciple. What is that? We know what that is. We know what that means. Therefore, we know people who might say they are. Anyone can say they're a Christian, but we know by who they are, by, by their fruit, we, we, we can discern. Now, call that judgmental. Only God knows their hearts. But we know whether they're a true Christian or not. Come on. But anyway, so more than nine out of ten young parents subscribe to a combination of beliefs, kind of like patching together your own quilt. Take a little patch of this a little patch of that, a little patch of this religion, a little patch of this philosophy. What does Colossians 2.8 says? Don't be taken captive by worldly philosophies. And it goes on, Colossians 2.8. Some of these beliefs might include secular humanism, 
moralistic, therapeutic deism, Marxism, critical theory, postmodernism, Eastern mysticism and New Age are huge. They, they're sprinkled into a lot of beliefs today. So in uh, actually last summer, the Cultural Research Center did a similar study, and there are just two bullet points I want to share. Um, these, the, this rapid decline can easily be seen in the biblical worldview, the rapid decline. Number one, belief in the existence of God as the all-knowing, all-powerful all creator of the universe who still rules the world today. The belief in that powerful God was 86% in 1991. So last year they did a study in 2021, 41%. I'm sorry, 46%. Next, a belief in that the Bible is the accurate and reliable word of God. In 1991, 70% of people believed that. In 2021, last year, 41%. So the problem is... Um, Young people are going to develop a worldview, whether you like it or not. Everyone has a worldview, and 2% of young parents today have a biblical worldview. The interesting thing is almost 70% of parents say they're Christian. They think they are Christian. They claim to be, but we've got to discern, friends. And, I, and the article it goes on. There's some more extensive information going back to how this happened in our culture uh, Antonio Gramsci, what happened there with the long progressive march through the major institutions in America and how they've taken over really the uh, education, government, Hollywood, nonprofits, um, and on and on. So um, check out that article. I, right now it's on my website, davidfiorazzo.com. New study. Um, and guys, we just, we've got to move on. Uh, but thank you guys so very much for listening. Um, what is today? Thursday. So that means tomorrow we've got a new author, new new uh, guest on the podcast. His name is Eric Uren, and we're going to talk about his brand new book. And we appreciate you guys, and thanks for sharing the podcast. Great numbers again this week with no help from us because we are censored. But God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>